Building Performance Through Medicine and Science, presented by the CU Sports Medicine and Performance Center. We're here with Dr. Sherry Ballantyne Talmadge. Can I call you Dr. B? That's fine. Okay. (laughs) And big movie coming out tomorrow. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'll, I mean, let's I'll get to there. the important yeah, stuff that's first. That's a very important thing. Yeah, I'll be bringing my original 1977 uh, and early 80s figurines with me. Oh, you will? Are yeah. you going to bring your lightsabers? Or would no, they, they let those into the dude? No, okay. no, no masks and like no lightsabers, no weapons. You're going to be in costume? Partially. Okay. <laughs> this would be Star Wars that we're talking about, yes, I hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the concussion movie. Okay. <laughs> No. Oh, that's right. That's coming that's out on coming, Christmas. Christmas. I can't believe I yep. remembered. <laughs> yep, I remember. Yeah, that you did. <laughs> now, your specialty actually is brain injury and also female athletes. Right. So I'm a sports medicine physician. That's my fellowship. And so some of the subspecialties within sports medicine that I sort of do here, I, I kind of, when I came from Chicago, I came from Northwestern where I was team physician there. When I came here, I kind of redid our concussion clinic and kind of vamped it up a little bit. Um, so I do a lot of work with concussion, both here in the clinic and in the community. And then I do women in sports medicine issues, as well as performing arts medicine, which kind of combines women in sports medicine as well. Performing, would that be like so ballet? So it's dancers, and, it's, okay. dancers um, it's figure skaters, that's what I used to do. I'm one of the team physicians for um, Team USA for US Figure Skating. So um, it's kind of like all of those non-traditional sports that are really sports that don't get typical care. And they're typically individual sports, they don't have athletic trainers, um, but it crosses over a lot because there's a lot of females in those sports. So dance, um, marching band, um, performing artists can even be like theater, musical theater performance or, performers because they dance and they sing at the same time. Um, it can be all different forms of dance, ballroom, Irish dancing, um, all different kinds of things. Um, and then gymnasts fall in that category. Um, cheerleaders and um, kind of like palms kind of also falls in that category as well. So there's a whole section in the American College of Sports Medicine that is dedicated to the athletes and the arts and, the, and there's a whole medical um, association that's called the Performing Arts Medical Association that I'm involved in as well. So it, it infuses some women in sports medicine issues as well. You know, I think of so many dancers that I know, former dancers, that, I mean, their bodies are almost ruined. Well, and that's a problem is that um, most dancers don't recognize or performing artists don't recognize themselves as athletes. So, like, I know when I was skating, um, and granted, it was a while ago, but we didn't have all the resources that we even have now. And still, there's a huge deficit in a dancer, figure skater, and sometimes gymnast, depending on if they're a varsity athlete or not, what kind of resources they have. So these, and if we're talking about just women, but in general, these athletes, whether they're women or men, they typically get healthcare way later. They typically are dancing or performing with a ton of injuries. They're chronic overuse injuries, and their bodies are a total mess. So if you ever see a picture of, like, you'll see this beautiful picture of a, a ballerina that's on point, and you'll see this beautiful point shoe, and then they'll have the contralateral foot without a belly shoe on you'll see the mess that's underneath there and the idea here is that like there's so much underneath this the of what you're seeing in a performing artist that is there that that the, that the person that's watching the performing artist that's watching the figure skater that's watching the gymnast you know they don't realize it's there you know a marching band let's say you know they have like really bad uh, stress fractures that can happen and all kinds of things well i would think the instrument yeah. Would yep. throw off your posture. Yeah, and, I had an interesting and, case this year, actually, where it was a girl that was a volleyball player. But what ended up happening is her back pain was actually caused from her drum. It wasn't her back. It wasn't the volleyball. Volleyball was making it worse, of course. But once we kind of figured it out, it was the performing arts marching band part of it that was actually making things worse. And so once we fixed 
why that was happening and provided her with extra support for her back with this huge drum she was carrying in the front as a young female that's like carrying this thing and marching and plus also doing volleyball too. her we fixed her back pain you know i am so full of questions right now i'm mm-hmm. glad i don't have a scripted interview because <laughs> we would be way off of it already <laughs> now concussion special yeah. uh, we're going to actually have a brain injury uh, show coming yeah. out very soon mm-hmm. but today we're going to focus on female athletes sure. specifically and by athletes we mean all different performing kinds, arts yeah. as well yeah and the first thing that popped into my head thinking of dance uh-huh. my daughter's nine years old uh-huh. she's been in ballet yeah. since she was four it's great what are we doing to her body, though? It's tough because I mean, here's the thing, and this is one of our big things in women in sports medicine. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't feel guilty because I would encourage. I mean, one big thing I would say in sports medicine in general is one of our large goals in the American College of Sports Medicine and a lot of our governing organizations with sports medicine in general is to get kids active and fit and healthy. And if we start these patterns of activity when they're kids in this age of too much technology, it sets them up for life success in the end. So. So they're not all of our kids are going to go on to play in college even. But if we teach them these foundations of sports, whatever it is, whether it's soccer or dance, whatever it is, and we install on them that this physical activity is important, it's hopefully setting them up to continue that active lifestyle. And I think that's so important because especially in young females, females are going to reach their peak moment bone mineral density somewhere between like we used to say 30 sometimes there's even studies that say 28 but females are building their bone mineral density all through their life until we reach this kind of place where we're just trying to maintain what we've got and we know that there's a large area when a young when a girl's very young like even like 8 to 12 years old pre-puberty where loading those joints with doing jumping activity and weight bearing activity can actually help them to gain bone mineral density so we want our young girls out there we want them to be active but just like so much in sports medicine it's about a healthy balance and that's where we get into trouble when we're not doing different kinds of sports and we're maybe only doing one sport all the time really frequently without enough safeguards around that one sport so I always tell parents when they ask me that question that they that you just asked me it's okay if your little girl is out there doing all that stuff but you need to become an educated consumer of not only your health care but your kids health care and understand what goes into the sport that they're doing and in some of these sports that don't have all the fancy bells and whistles with athletic trainers around them or a lot of extra things like in school with support you know it's it's very I, we tell our performing artists all the time our dancers and figure skaters it's not required for them to get a pre-participation physical every year. So like no one thinks about taking their kid who's a ballerina, whether it's a guy or a girl, to go get a sports physical every year. But our message to them is, no, you really should. You really should. And so here um, I have a group of physical therapists that we created this program with, and now we're calling it CU Perform. Uh-huh. That's and, and so that's our performing arts program that we have here. And it's a group of physical therapists that have been specially trained in dance and the performing arts. And what we did is over the past couple of years here is we created our own kind of glorified sports physical that is specifically for performing artists. Because a performing artist has a lot of different things that like a basketball player and a soccer player, they don't have at all. Typically these people are more hypermobile, so they're really, really flexible. So if you put them through a normal standing kind of exam that we are 
are used to doing for a football player, soccer player, baseball, any of those traditional sports, you may not pick up on a lot of important things. So we've incorporated oh, of a gymnast. Correct. So we've 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 created a lot of extra things. We do more we do more testing and balance. We do um, we look at greater ranges of motion, and all this stuff is set up to help kids and parents um, and these special kind of athletes that really are more predominantly women and young young girls do injury prevention. There's none of that in this area. What age would you start working with someone? I mean, I started, I would say, I mean, eight. eight oh, really? That and, young? Yeah. that. I mean, we see kids, because with dancers, typically they start, and see, these are really interesting sports, because these are sports that, do, that they, you have to early specialize. And the literature came out about two years ago from UCLA that was talking about how important it was for our young kids to not just specialize in one sport, that they have better success in their career when they're doing multiple different kinds of sports. And then in addition to that, that they don't specialize too early. So in other words, you your success and or your chances of getting to play in college on a scholarship in a certain sport is maybe greater if you're playing different sports as opposed to just playing football your whole life. The studies that came out that looked at that were those were they were traditional varsity sports. So, but they didn't include some of these forgotten about sports like dance, like figure skating. You know, sometimes even like gymnastics, where you have to start these sports very early and specialize very early because the skill that you have to do is is very difficult. So we don't have any evidence out there that tells us anything about that. But we know that these kids start very early. They start two and three years old, four and five. I started as a figure skater late at, at eight years old. Um, typically, they start when they're you know four and five years old. I was late. It just so happened that I was it, I took to it, so it didn't interfere with what I was able to accomplish. But I mean, that's a huge thing that we talk about about educating families about like it's not too soon to get your kid in to see a sports doc. I mean, but I see kids that are ten years old that are dancers that already have their first stress fracture. Now I'm thinking one of the things you said early on was you test balance. And Correct. I'm thinking of dance and figure skating right. and gymnastics, and I've been a ski instructor since '86. And when those kids come over to ski or mm -hmm. other sports that require, but yes. they're fantastic. They right. get right into it. Right. So we kind of amp it up a little bit for athletes like that. So one thing that's, I think, unique to sports medicine and especially sports medicine providers is we really make things sport specific. And that comes into everything. I mean, that's pivotal to our performing arts program. So, you know, if you look at, let's say, let's take something that everybody knows, like Achilles tendonitis. You know, you've seen one Achilles tendonitis, you sort of seen them all, in theory, right? But in reality, as you start to dissect it a little bit more and you look at, like, why did this 12-year-old all of a sudden get Achilles tendonitis that's rip-roaring and really bad and her tendons really thicken? Well, because she just started to go on point. And now we're looking at whole different mechanics. It Was she ready to go on point? Um, what's going on? Did she tell her teachers that she was struggling with this, this, and this? And so we look at the reason why this person got this. And then as we rehab them, we do sports-specific activity. It doesn't do me any good if I rehab a girl that's on point for her first year in ballet. And I rehab her like I would rehab a soccer player. That does her no good. I need to bring her back in the final stages of her rehab doing sports-specific things. And that's important through all of sports medicine. And, of course, she's not talking to her teacher Correct. because she's been dying to get on point Correct. for years. And Correct. here it is, and ouch, it hurts, but I'm right. keeping my mouth shut. Right, and that's notorious. That's notorious. Like That's all through athletics. Right. Like I mean, we just worked with, we're working in with U.S. Figure Skating to kind of create some um, education for our figure skaters. Like, what is an injury? Like, educating this these patients, and oftentimes, unfortunately, like, 
I said, they're usually young women. And these, remember, these young women and these young athletes that do these sports are typically one, they're very, there's a specific personality. They're very different than a football player and a soccer player. They're extremely driven. Um, they are very, very organized and they have to become pretty independent. I was in Europe last year in the Czech Republic with one of our teams and it was a junior team for Team USA. And I was, I was, as we were waiting outside for the bus to come get us, I realized something so striking. I had a bunch of 14 year olds there that were traveling outside of the country that could completely get themselves packed and make sure that they arrived on time for a bus and get to a rink and do everything they needed to and be presentable and knew so much. And I was so proud of them because I thought, look at these skills, even if they never make the Olympics, the skills that the sport is teaching them and the experience that they're gaining are really qualities that are going to be with them for life. And so these kids are very, very emotionally driven and um, very structured and you have to consider that when you're treating them you know i'd like to get into some more specifics with the female sure. athletes performers sure but my mind's already going i mean sure. i think about a male dancer yes males don't get on point male figure skaters they do the lifting there's yep. not it's totally it's different very different male totally gymnastics different. very different it's totally different they're so funny little thing, when I was at Northwestern and I was in student health, so I did two jobs at Northwestern as team physician, but then also built the sports medicine clinic at student health. I would always save, it's a huge performing arts school, and I would always save my male dancers for the end of the day because they are some of the most fun patients to work with. When you work with, because they're ridiculously strong, like you look at a male gymnast and you look at a male dancer or a male figure skater that's having, to, like think about what a male figure skater does, especially these days. So they're doing quads and the G-forces involved with that are incredible. If you look at an ice dancer that's a male or a pair, a pair skater, the pair skaters are flying around the rink and they're responsible for holding and throwing a tiny little female up into the air and being responsible for her safety. They have to be very strong. So in the males, we're going to see more upper extremity injuries. Um, they have to be extremely powerful. And we're talking a lot about jump mechanics with them. Um, they're incredible athletes. And what's interesting about some of the males dancers is sometimes they come to the sport a little later. And they're wonderful athletes to work with. Um, they're so motivated. And they're just, um, there's a pleasure. They're a pleasure to work with. And so, so fun. Because they're really, really good athletes. But no one thinks about that. I'm thinking of the female skater who has been thrown and has mm -hmm. to land right. on this razor-thin exactly. blade at a huge force. Correct. It, and speeds. Speeds. Yeah, exactly. G-force and speed. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the injuries have got to be unbelievable. I mean, it's it's amazing that we in figure skating don't have worse injuries. I mean, when you and see I think about when you the see longevity them, they're careers. bad. Yeah, when you see them, they're bad. Like pairs pairs injuries that come about are horrible. I mean, they're just gut wrenching. You know, I mean, she's not just six feet in the air when she falls. She's you know however tall that man is plus his arm as well. And you're traveling. It's it's just unbelievable. So when we see those injuries, they're really bad. It's amazing more of them don't happen. Now, I'm also thinking athletes, performers, mm -hmm. you probably don't have health insurance. It's an or benefits. Thank you so much for mentioning <laughs> that. So what's extremely interesting about this, especially in the world of dance, is that 
sometimes, and, and, and when you're in this quasi kind of area before you become like with a company, that you're maybe getting some insurance from a company or some kind of coverage like that, but you're a professional dancer, that's another huge barrier for performing artists to get health care. They don't have health insurance. So if you look around the country and you, and you look at some of the centers around the country that have developed to take care of the performing artists, they'll have a free clinic. Oh, some days, mm-hmm. yeah, where they will offer like free healthcare screenings for some of their performing artists. Houston has a performing arts clinic that does it. I believe they also have one in New Orleans as well, and that will include like in New Orleans, it's including even musicians as well. But it's a huge problem that a lot of times, not only are these people not identifying themselves as athletes, but they're not coming in to get their healthcare needs addressed. So when they do come in, not only are they further along in their process of their pathology or whatever's going on with them? But it's going to be harder to get them better because they've waited so long and they sometimes don't even have the wherewithal money-wise or insurance-wise to be able to get the tests and the treatment that they need. So that can be a huge barrier. So with the kids, it's nice because they have insurance and we can do things for them, but it's really a, a tough area, especially for these performing artists. But they're on TV. They, yeah, they have are. to have a lot of money. Right no, no, right. I mean, I know, I know. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't realize when we see what's on TV how much has gone in to make that. You know, when, like, let's say, like, you see Gracie Gold out there, you know, a figure, or one of our high-level figure skaters right now, like, um, you don't realize everything that's gone into the making of that skating champion, you know, and what goes on behind the scenes. It's a lot. And we have to do it all with a smile on our face and somehow entertain an audience, too. So what are some problems that female athletes sure. encounter that would be specific to the female athlete? Absolutely. So one of my passions has always been um, the female athlete triad. Female athlete triad is probably the, the number one thing that we all think about when we think about and talk about the women in sports medicine. Um, so the female athlete triad centers around bones and it all has to do with females that are super, super active will lose their menses or their period. And so they do a lot of activity and their your body's not stupid. It knows that it takes a lot of energy to get a menses, to get a period, because essentially what that's doing is it's preparing your body to potentially become pregnant. But when we look at why girls lose their periods, it's because of an energy imbalance. So what's happening is they're expending more energy than they're taking in. And it doesn't always necessarily have to be correlated to an eating disorder. It can just be improper training. It can be improper nutrition. I mean, we, it, we have to be careful that we don't always go to directly if a girl has lost her period and she's getting stress fractures, that she has an eating disorder. It's certainly something that we think about, but it can just be something that we have to correct in their training. So what happens, it's a, it's a triangle. And so a girl loses her period for whatever reason. There can be lots of reasons, thyroid issues or other hormonal issues, stress, all kinds of things. So they lose their period, which means they lose their estrogen. And when they lose their estrogen, the estrogen is what maintains their bone strength. So then they start to wear down their bones and they get stress fractures. And then when they get, then in addition to that, they can get, believe it or not, they can actually get osteoporosis. So the, the three different parts of it are, are at a young age. Mm -hmm. And un, unfortunately this osteoporosis and this, this kind of premature wear and tear of their bones is not reversible sometimes. So some of these kids that get these go down this kind of strength path, sometimes they're creating in worst case scenarios, situations that we can't get them to recover all the way. So they may never reach whatever, you know, was intended for them to get to peak bone mineral density wise. 
So it's, it's, they lose their period, um, but they lose their period because of decreased energy or for some reason, typically it's decreased energy is how we look at it. And so they have decreased energy input into the system causes them to lose their period because your body's like, Hey, I don't have enough energy. So why would I prepare it to potentially get pregnant? That's how I try to tell people to think about it. Cause that's a lot of energy to do that. I got to do this, this, and this, I'm going to like stop this process right now. Then you don't have the estrogen that you need to maintain bone, and then they start to have bone loss, which can equals stress fractures, and that's how they come into our office. But eventually, when we look at bone mineral density things, then we talk about, like, what's your bone mineral density? But you're saying we should be coming into your office before any of those issues Oh, that's happen. the ideal situation. <laughs> I mean, and that's why we, those of us that do this kind of medicine, we want to get out and we want to educate families and educate. Um, I've gone and done community lectures before. We're educating, you know, belly companies and things like that. Like, here's our resource and come use us and let us help you. I mean, ideally, we'd like to be able to do that early before kids Typically, like what had happened sometimes in the past is, you know, you get to this sort of more elite status and then now all the bells and whistles start to come around you and now you've got all these pre-existing issues. I mean, ideally, we'd love to see kids early. And so we started something here when I came here and we developed this program where like when I would do some of these lectures in the community, you could just call and say, I'd like to have my kids seen for a dance screen. And then they come in and we do this full exam on them and we kind of look for asymmetries we know most athletes are asymmetrical but when does that asymmetry become a functional um, asymmetry that's dysfunctional you know it depends on the for a figure skater it depends on which way you turn which way do you jump you know you'll see dominant sides what's your landing leg what's your skate what's your um, your your free leg most of the time or your jumping leg so we look for those kinds of things but when when do those asymmetries become dysfunctional and are setting you up for a pattern that may predispose you to injury Now you made me think of something totally off topic, but with the asymmetry, Uh it just got me thinking about figure skating and the jumps. Are judges looking for someone to be able to do those maneuvers both directions? Oh, no. Um, No. I mean, you you are allowed to use your dominant side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can get some extra points sometimes when you demonstrate that you can spin um, in one direction and then go the other direction. Back before we had the new international judging system that changed after the whole Salt Lake thing, um, you used to see more people doing some jumps one way and some jumps the other way, but it really doesn't, not really doing much for you now. Okay, sorry about that. That's (laughs) okay. That's okay. So one of the things I've really noticed in all of my interviews here is just your passion for what you yeah, do. Yeah. You started out as a figure yeah. skater. How did you get interested in this and why it's a great is it story. so meaningful it's to you? It's a great story because um, I went to so many physicians when I was a young kid that didn't understand what I did. And like I mentioned before, some of these sports you specialize when you're really, really young. And I begged my parents to skate and they were like, it's really expensive. We can't afford this. And, you know, but it got to the point, like I said, I was older. I just got the yellow pages out and called a rink and found out when the skating lessons were and told my mom she had to take me. And she gave up at that point because she just hoped I wouldn't be any good. And unfortunately I took to it. Her probably her fault. She taught me how to ski first. So edges, you know, very similar. So, but in the early part of my career, when I would go to the doctor, no one understood what I did. And I started leaving school early in elementary school and to go to the rink um I stopped taking gym because it was I was doing so much stuff with my sport it was a risk um for me to be in gym and get injured um and after I'd gotten a bunch of injuries in gym it was like not worth it anymore for me to do it and I was just your your whole life starts to revolve around your sport 
And so when I was in seventh grade, um, I fractured my shoulder. I broke my shoulder skating because I slammed into the boards, but it got misdiagnosed by just my family doctor who, you know, retrospectively knowing how much goes into all this. I mean, you can't, family doctors are at the same time they're managing, they need to know how to manage, you know, the person that has heart disease and diabetes and all kinds of things, you know, so you know, I don't fault my family doctor for, for this, but it, it, my fracture was missed and it was a growth plate fracture and I wasn't getting better and I was doing physical therapy and all this stuff. And my uncle uh, finally said, you need to go see my sports medicine doctor. And so I went to go see him and he became my mentor. His name was Richard Dominguez, changed my life forever. He put my x-rays up and he looked at it and he said, well, everything looks fine here, except for the fact that you have a healing fracture in your growth, pl- in the growth plate of your shoulder. And I was like, what? And he took me under his wing. He understood my sport. He spoke my language. Um, It got to the point in my career with him um, that I would come in for something. He'd put my x-rays up and he'd be like, okay, Sherry, what's wrong? And show me where your fractures or show me what's what. And then when I was a freshman in college, um, he really, what basically he spawned my desire to be a sports medicine doctor. And when I was in college, he was killed tragically in a car accident And if I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, at that point, I sure did after he passed away. Um, Then at his wake, they ran out of guest books. There were so many people and they had to have police come out to direct traffic because of how many people this man impacted. And I was so moved by the way that what he did for people and what he did for me that I was like, this is what I want to do, like for sure. And it has been my life's passion to be a sports medicine doctor since I was 10. And if you asked anyone I skated with, I mean, it, school was always just as important as my skating. So, Sherry, I'm mm-hmm. sorry we're running out of time. Sure. I haven't talked to you about this, but you are going to become a regular guest here. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> and, Happy to help. How can someone contact you? Sure. Do- so I would say call the center. Um, it is really helpful if you tell the front desk kind of what you're looking for. So if you're interested in any one of kind of the special kind of programs that I'm involved in, whether you're performing artist, dancer, skater, whatever it is, that kind of helps them to know what they're scheduling. If someone is interested in kind of doing one of these fancy um, dancer screens or pre-participation physicals for the athletes that sort of don't fit, just let them know that they want to do a dancer screen with me. It's kind of like a fancy physical. Um, concussion patients, we always make a priority for them as well um especially for kids with concussion as well um i tend to see the more I difficult wish I ones called you last December. <laughs> <laughs> me too me too <laughs> so just tell the front desk um you know what you're looking for and maybe reference this podcast and let them know and then they can make sure that we get people in and you know we're you are still help. accepting patients absolutely yeah absolutely well have fun at star wars <laughs> thank you i'm super looking forward to it <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Dr. B. Yep. Sherry Valentine Talmadge. (laughs) Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. (laughs) Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas.